Saved by Grace podcast, bringing you stories of hope, restoration, and God's faithful love. I'm your host, Sylvia Puentes. Welcome to another episode of Saved by Grace. I'm your host, Sylvia Puentes, and today I will be sharing my testimony of my encounter with God. This is episode 10, and this is the last episode of season one. Before I get into my encounter, though, I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has come on and shared their testimony. Testimonies are a way of building not only our faith, but helping encourage others in their, in their walk and in their faith as well. I want to thank each and every one of you who has listened, who has liked, shared, subscribed, and prayed for Saved by Grace, and everyone who has prayed for me. Prayer is a priceless and precious gift, and I really appreciate it. I want to thank one more person, and Ray, that's you. I know that you like to be behind the scenes, but today I'm calling you out. When God talked to me about Saved by Grace, about doing a podcast, I immediately said, yes, Lord, I'll do it. But what's a podcast, Lord? (laughs) I then asked him to send someone to help me, someone who would understand how precious this podcast and this assignment is. And he sent you. I can't thank you enough for all that you do. I love you, Ray. God bless you. Eight years ago, my life got turned upside down. I came to the end of myself. And it was in that moment of desperation that I called out to God. I would love to tell you that I approached God in a humble or loving way but that's not my story. I put my fist up at God and I challenged him to show up in my life. I said, God, if you're real, now would be a good time for you to show up in my life. Because where have you been? I said, if you're real, I am giving you one opportunity to show up in my life. In this moment of darkness, I remembered what my grandmother had told me when I was six years old. At the age of six, my grandmother, who was a great woman of faith and who understood that It wasn't about religion. It was about having a true intimate relationship with Jesus. She lived this. This was her essence. And I could see it. There was the proof of the the fruit in her life. At the age of six, she taught me the Lord's Prayer. And she told me, always seek God. Always call out to him. 
And in that moment, I remembered. I remembered this so much that I said to God, if you're really the good God that my grandmother told me you were, you'll show up. It's interesting though that in this frustration and anger that I had, and people have asked me, how could you have called out to God, the creator of all, the almighty, like that? And this scripture comes to mind immediately. Above all else, guard your heart, for from it flows the issues of life. See, our hearts are fertile ground. And whatever seed we sow into our hearts, that is what will take root. And that is what will come from us. My heart was sick. My heart was broken. My heart felt defeated. There was frustration and hurt. And that is what called out to God. And you know, my thought process was, well, if God is real and he created me, then he knows my thoughts and he knows my heart. So why would I pretend to speak to him in any other way than in what I am believing and feeling in my heart. At a young age, the enemy had convinced me that God was not for me, that if he in fact existed, he didn't care about me. He didn't care about my losses, my pain, So much so that at the age of one, my father was murdered. So I grew up without a father. And I mourned the loss of my father my entire life. And in my entire life, I believed that God was responsible for that. And again, because the enemy comes early into our lives and he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He had convinced me of that. He convinced me that I mattered so little to God that from a young age, God was punishing me. So... I made it my business to try to stay off of God's radar because I believed that he was above the clouds, sitting on his throne with a scepter in his hand, just looking down, ready to zap me whenever I did anything less than perfect. So I tried to stay off of his radar. But just like I had that amazing grandmother who planted that seed in me. And scripture also says in Proverbs, I believe, 
train a child up in the way they should go, and when they are old, they shall not depart from it. I also was blessed to have a brother who was a believer and who watered that seed, even though I never wanted to receive anything that he had to share. Anytime he tried to share how good God was, I would roll my eyes at him and totally reject what he, with all the love in his heart, was trying to share with his little sister. And I remember in 1999, (laughs) he spontaneously said to me one day, So one day, you're going to be a mighty woman of God. And I just smiled at that and I'm like, okay. You know, as much as I didn't want to receive anything that my brother was sharing with me, I could not help but recognize the fruit in his life. So don't ever underestimate the power in planting the seed. Don't ever underestimate the power in watering the seed and in praying for friends or loved ones who don't know the Lord. So interestingly enough, as after I said, after I challenged God to show up in my life, a desperation for him came inside of me. And I really think that I thought I was pursuing him, but really it was that he was pursuing me. And I was so desperate to I started going to church regularly for the first time in my life. And it wasn't religiosity. It was that I I just, I needed to be in that space. I saw um, people worshiping and just, it was just a place where I, I saw love. And I could hear the word. And all I wanted to do was listen to testimonies on YouTube and sermons and and worship music. I needed, it was like my spirit was calling out and just asking to just more of you, more of you, more of you, Lord. And I I had a small walk-in closet in my bedroom and I started going into that closet to pray. No one said this to me. It wasn't a, a regimen or it wasn't a rule. It was just something that I was just just doing. And I made that closet my prayer closet, posting prayers on the walls and everything, scriptures on the wall. And I would spend hours in that closet literally crying out to God. 
And there were two prayers that I would consistently pray. The first one went like this. God, if you're real, I need to know you. I need you to show up in my life. I need to see you. I need to hear your voice. I need to know that you're real. Because I'm so broken. I'm so broken, Lord. I'm so broken. I can't put myself back together this time. And I'd say to him, I need you to help me. I'm in a million pieces and I need to be, I need to be able to be a mom to my children and I can't do life like this, but I can't get myself back this time. Please help me, Lord. Please help me. And the second prayer that I prayed equally was, Lord, please take my life. And I would say, I don't want to live anymore. I can't go on. Please take my life. And I said to God, I don't want to do it myself because I don't want my children to think that I punked out on them. I don't want them to ever think that they were not enough for me to think that life was worth living but I just I can't go on Lord please take my life so that they can blame you and not me that was my constant daily prayer And you know, looking back, it was in all of that pain and despair, it was really a beautiful time because in the days, the weeks, and the months that passed, there was such an intimacy growing between me and God. (laughs) And I obviously had never experienced that before. And I had not heard his voice, I, but I could just, I could, I could feel his presence. And it was so warm and so cuddly and so magnificent. And the more I called out to God, the spiritual attack started. See, I did not, I questioned God's existence, definitely his goodness. But what I did believe in and what I did get involved with was 
um, New Age and occult practices. And I had no idea that I was serving Satan because, you know, he doesn't come dressed in a red cape holding a pitchfork. That would be obvious. He comes in such a (laughs) sly way. And I had gotten in pretty deep with these practices. So when I started seeking God, Satan showed up. He had not shown up while I was serving him. But when I started calling out to God, he showed up. He showed up to remind me that (laughs) he was not going to let me switch jerseys, basically. Um, and one particular night I was in bed really groaning and just crying and all that could come out of me was Jesus. I need you. I need you, Jesus. I, I need to know that you're real. I need you. And suddenly I was kicked between my shoulder blades. Now. Who, I mean, no one in my home is going to kick me between my shoulder blades. And I felt the boot that kicked me. It was like a military or a construction boot. And obviously this happened in the spirit, but I physically moved in my bed. And it was as if I had instant Holy Spirit revelation that it was Satan sending me a message to shut up. Stop calling on Jesus because if you call on his name, he will show up. But you know what? (laughs) Instead of scaring me, instead of deterring me, what that did was it just gave me the fuel that I needed and the revelation that I had not had (laughs) that Satan was real. And if Satan was real, hell was real. And if Satan and hell were real, then for sure God was real. And it meant that something was about to happen. Otherwise, why would Satan be so intent on telling me to shut up? So someone that I met who had um, been praying with me talked to me about spiritual fasting. And I didn't know anything about spiritual fasting, but I was like, I'll do whatever I need to do to have an encounter with God. And he helped me pray about it and we decided I would do a three-day Esther fast, which meant that I would only have water for those three days and obviously be in a place of prayer and expectation. And he said to me, at the end of the third day, you're to go to 
resting place, which is a house of prayer in Woodland Park, New Jersey. And he said, every single person who goes there has an experience with the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'm there. So it's the third day of the fast and everything that could go wrong went wrong. And I remember texting him and saying, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do this. This is crazy. I must be delusional to think that I could actually have an encounter with God. And he said, don't let the enemy deter you. Whatever it takes, get there. So my 40-minute commute that day turned into two hours. And by the time I got to resting place, the prayer ministers that were waiting for me were gone. So I sat down really just to like take a breath, catch my breath. (laughs) And I hear this voice say to me, go ask that man to pray with you. And my immediate response was no. No, I'm not going to open up to one more person because the thing about me was that I never opened up to strangers. And there were only really a few people in my life who I opened up to. But what I had found in this time that I had been seeking God was that the people that I did open up to, they genuinely cared. And they genuinely prayed for me. So I I decided to go one more time, take one more step. And I went up to this gentleman and I asked him if he would pray with me. And it turns out that it was Ali, the pastor of Resting Place. And he so graciously at that hour sat down and listened to my story and encouraged me and prayed over me. But while Ali was praying, my mind was somewhere else. I was peeking, looking to see how was God going to manifest himself? Was the ceiling going to open? Were the walls going to burst? How was this going to happen? And nothing happened. And at the end of his prayer, I thanked Ali and I got up and left. And when I got to the parking lot, I once again put my fist up at God and I said, well, you didn't show up. I showed up, but you didn't. And I'm not surprised because when have you shown up for me? Now I can continue my life and not worry about you. That is what I said to God.
I got home, sat down to watch a movie, went up to my bedroom to finish the movie. And my dog, who would usually sleep in my room with me, that day entered my room, looked to both sides, and turned around and left. As if she was... (laughs) She knew there was something there. I fell asleep watching the movie, and at 3 o'clock in the morning, I wake up and notice my television is still on. But I found interesting that it wasn't on the movie channel. It was on, um, it was Pat Robertson was on my television and it was the 700 Club. But you know what? It's three o'clock in the morning. I don't have time for this. Turn the television off. And at 4 a.m. I was woken up. My eyes were opened as if somebody came and opened them. And my mouth was opened. And from my mouth, with force, was coming this language that I'd never heard. And in my room, there was this power that it felt like the walls in my room were going to burst. And I could hear my dog barking in my son's room. And I was terrified. The first thought I had was, God has sent Satan to kill me. God has finally had enough of my mouth and he sent Satan to kill me. So because I couldn't control my mouth because I was speaking in this language and I had no control over it, in my mind, I started saying, please, please, whatever's going to happen, don't make it horrific. My children are in their rooms and I don't want them to walk into anything horrific, please. And suddenly, I heard this voice I can't describe it. Yes, thunderous, but familiar and warm. And this voice was outside of me. And this voice said, you have nothing to fear. I am here. And as soon as I heard that voice speak, All of my fear was gone. And I suddenly felt as if I was being wrapped in a warm blanket of love. And I surprisingly responded and I said, Abba, is this you? And the reason why I say I surprisingly responded is because I didn't know what Abba meant. And Abba is the Hebrew name for father.
You know, in Galatians 4, 6, the scripture says, and because we are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts to cry out, Abba, Father. And my spirit that night was crying out, Abba, Father. And he then said, how could you think I don't love you? And how could you think I don't see you when I know every, every prayer that you have prayed and I know every tear that you've cried? And as he said that, this projector opened in front of me and I was being shown scenes, images of me in that closet on the floor crying. I mean crying. There were puddles of tears on that floor and I was crying those two prayers. Please fix me. Please fix me. I can't fix myself. I can't fix myself this time. Please take my life. He then showed me um, a fire hydrant and the fire hydrant was open and water was gushing out of this fire hydrant at full force. And he said to me, just as water is gushing out of that fire hydrant. Rivers of living water is gushing out of your belly and flowing from your mouth. And he allowed me to understand that I had received the baptism of his Holy Spirit. And at that moment, I heard angels singing. But the angels were singing in the same language that was coming out of my mouth. And it was, wow, it was just so amazing. And at all the while, this power is in my room. I mean, it was like nothing I have ever experienced. And he then shows me this little file cabinet, like in the library where you would go and um, take the index card out of that little file drawer to take the book out. And that file cabinet was filled with every question I had ever had for him. See, because when I was little, since the time I was little, I had questions for God. And all of those questions were stored in that file cabinet. Questions that I didn't even remember that I had. And the, he would answer them and I would then kind of come up with another question 
And he would answer that automatically before I could even finish my thought. He was instantly answering the next question. It was an instant telepathic communication. And yes, he knows our thoughts. (laughs) And there was this one pressing question that I had for God. And I said to him, if you're so good though, why did you take my dad? Why didn't you at least give me some time with him so that I could know what having a dad felt like? Remember, I I need to stress that from a young age, Satan had convinced me that God had taken my dad and he did not care about my pain. And when I tell you that Everything that he spoke, everything about him was just love, an overwhelming love like I have never experienced. He said to me, nothing bad comes from me. And in that moment, he allowed me to see this wound in my heart. And this wound was ugly and as he allowed me to see that I suddenly felt this warm liquid start coming down from the top of my head all the way down until it reached that wound in my heart and when it reached that wound in my heart it automatically melted that wound away and I was instantly delivered from the pain of the loss of the void of not having my dad. And not only was I instantly delivered of that pain and that void and that loss, but it was as if suddenly this veil had been pulled off of my eyes. And I saw that I did have a dad. And maybe I didn't have my earthly dad, but I had my heavenly dad. The one who never left me the entire time. And I called out to him, Abba. And from that moment on, every time I'm in that intimate space with him, He makes me feel as if I am the only little girl that he has. (laughs) And that is amazing. So 
the Lord took me out of my body into this spirit realm. And he took me into my children's rooms and he prayed over my children. And then he showed me that my children were in the palm of his hands. And I had insecurities as a mom that I had never shared with anyone. And he addressed those insecurities. And he said to me, I'm so proud of you for the way that you have taken care of the children that I entrusted onto you. He did not allow me to carry, not for one more second, that guilt or that condemnation. He took me to my siblings' homes and he, he gave me a word for each one of them. He took me to some of my nieces and nephews and gave me a word for them. And it was so that they would know that I had encountered him. And then he took me before my mom and he said to me, you must forgive And I took a breath and I said, that's a tall order, Lord. And I was prepared to present my case. And he looked at me with love in his eyes and compassion. And he said, I am not asking you. I'm telling you, you must forgive. And I instantly understood because he instantly allows you to understand what he is saying, that he had compassion for my mom, that he loved my mom. He loved me. And he took me back to, to, Guard your heart, daughter, because unforgiveness will keep you in bondage. And I have so much more for you than that. And that made me break down in tears. And I said to him, please help me forgive. And you know what? He came through. He helped me forgive. It was a process, but he helped me forgive my mom and others. And then he took me to my... I had a very good close friend who had been diagnosed with breast cancer. And he took me to her house. And I was confused like what are we doing here and he put his hand out and out of his hand came this ball of light and I could tell that there was fire power in that ball of light and he put his hand to her breast where the cancer had been found and this light and this power went through her 
entire body. And he said to me, tell her she is healed. I also had a friend who was struggling with self-worth like so many of us have. And he said to me, tell her that I love her. I love her. And what I found so interesting was that neither one of these friends were really seeking him. And later on, that what he did there with my friends and with me reminded me about the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. His goodness. He went out of his way to, to show his love and his faithfulness. He showed me how his heart breaks when people go on about their lives without calling out to him and inviting him in. And I know that it was a snippet that he allowed me to feel because I don't think that I could have contained, that I could have handled feeling the fullness because as it was, my chest felt like it was caving in. And he allowed me to feel his love for each person that he showed me or talked to me about in that encounter. And it felt like my heart was going to explode. There's so much more and I'll do a part two, but what I want to leave you all with is that everything that I thought God was, he was, he is the opposite of. And that if you call out to him, he will show up. And even without calling out to him, he showed me how he had walked all of those dark places with me. My prayer is that this testimony touches at least one heart and transforms at least one life to call out to him. He gave me this scripture for myself. Isaiah 60 Verse 1, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. God is good all the time. God bless you. Come back for season two. It's going to be awesome.